Well, a few years ago, the Barna Research Group did a study on what tempts Americans, what are most common temptations that Americans face, and they broke the list into two categories. The first is what they called old temptations. This is like seven deadly sins kind of stuff. You can see what they found up there, that what people confessed to being tempted by eating too much, spending too much money, gossiping, jealousy, and, and the like. And you can see the numbers. Now, the statistics are completely reliant upon whether or not people are honest in their answering of these questions, um, but, but you can probably look at this list and go, yeah, there are probably some things up here that I'm tempted by, that I struggle with. Um, and they also had what they called new temptations. And these are ones that, that people of, of previous eras may not have struggled with because there wasn't the technology available. Uh, and spending too much time on media or social media and then going off on someone via text or email, or I would include like Facebook or the, the chat section of a news article, like all kinds of ways in which we typically will go off on somebody. The one I would add to the new temptations that's not up there is the temptation towards like fame or celebrity or like building a platform, uh, which social media has really allowed in our day in time. I mean, I have, I have friends who ride uh, this thing called Peloton, and, um, and it's amazing to me how someone has become famous whose only skill set is to ride a bike that goes nowhere. Um, <laughs> right? We are tempted towards all kinds of things, new and old. Temptations are a part of our lives. We may all struggle with different things, but we all do struggle with something. Today, we conclude our series looking at the Lord's Prayer with this last major phrase found in Matthew chapter 6. If you grab a Bible, it's uh, a pew Bible, it's page 1380, Matthew 6, if you turn and look at the whole prayer. Um, but we're looking at just this one phrase that Jesus concludes with. It says, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one, or deliver us from evil. Lead us not to temptation, but deliver us from evil. Now, I am not going to be able to say everything that there is to say about temptation and about sin and evil this morning. But what I want to focus on is, why does Jesus conclude this prayer with this phrase? When his disciples ask him, teach us to pray, why does Jesus include this phrase? And I believe the answer is this, that when we pray regularly, prayer is supposed to form us to believe that temptation doesn't get the last word when God gets the first word. See, prayer, as we've been talking about this whole series, is not primarily bringing our list to God. It's primarily saying, God, tell us who you are and tell us what you've done for us and remind us of who we are because of what you have done for us. Prayer is giving God the first word for our identity. And Jesus closes the prayer this way. Now, you may have noticed if you look at, uh, if you, if we, when we say the Lord's Prayer together as a church, if you've said it throughout your life, you close the Lord's Prayer with this other phrase that says, for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. You'll notice that doesn't show up in the Bible. And that that phrase was actually added on by church leaders years later because, I mean, honestly, they just thought it was a weird way to end a prayer. <laughs> lead us not into, uh, deliver us from evil, lead us not into temptation, was a weird way to end a prayer. So that felt more formal to close the prayer corporately using this word about proclaiming God's kingdom power and glory. But the reason that Jesus ends the prayer this way is because 
temptation is not just sort of a moral bucket that we need to keep checked to keep it at bay, but temptation is going to knock us off of mission. Temptation is going to prevent us from being the people that God has created us to be. It's going to prevent us from depending upon God and from being people who live for his glory in the world, that he desires us to resist temptation because temptation will keep us from becoming who God has created and made us to be, both in love of him, love and love of our neighbors. And so Jesus includes this prayer. Now, uh, what we have to know is that temptation is not from God. So two things you need to know about temptation. The first is temptation is not from God. In fact, uh, James chapter one, verse 13 is clear about this. When tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me for God cannot be tempted by evil. God does not dabble in evil, nor does he tempt anyone. So most biblical scholars and translators have, have agreed that a reasonable translation of the Greek of this phrase would be, don't let us be led into temptation." that don't let us be led into temptation. Which leads us to the second thing, this temptation is real and it's present and unavoidable as we go through life. That temptation is unavoidable. But what we see in this prayer is that temptation doesn't have to get the last word when God gets the first word in who we are. The way that temptation works in our lives is that we know that it's bad. Like we know the temptation is leading us to do something we shouldn't do. But over time, what we start to think is, but maybe it's not all bad. Maybe it could actually be good for me. Temptation helps us or puts us in a mindset of, is it really bad? Can I really give it a shot? Now, I want to illustrate this using uh, a Star Wars character. In the movie, The Phantom Menace, a villain is introduced known as Darth Maul. Now, Darth Maul looks like the kind of creature, if you ask your kid, what does the devil look like? Draw him on paper. It's what Darth Maul looks like, right? There is no doubt he's a villain. There is no doubt he's evil. But if you've watched Star Wars, particularly not just The Phantom Menace, but some of the shows that Darth Maul shows up in, he actually is quite clever. And he's pretty smart. And he sounds really philosophical. And he sounds like a person who wants to do the just thing. In fact, as you, the more you listen to him, the more you're like, well, I, he looks evil, but let's hear him out. In fact, there is a, there is a, a post on the internet, how, how Darth Maul won our hearts. <laughs> this is how temptation operates. We know it's bad, but maybe we'll hear it out. Maybe we'll give it a shot. Maybe it's not so bad. Maybe there's something good in it for us. Maybe it's a shortcut to something good. What if it's actually good? That's what we ask ourselves. And the word temptation that Jesus uses could also mean test or trial. And when Jesus uses this word temptation, he has a specific thing in mind. When Jesus began his public ministry after his baptism in a couple of the gospels, we get the story of his temptation or his trial in the wilderness. So Jesus is led out into the desert for 40 days without food or drink and he's tempted, he's tested. He goes through these trials and he resists. And if you read the story, you realize like these temptations, they're not awful things. They're like, Jesus, create bread to feed yourself. Like how bad is that? And yet what we realize is temptation is to take a shortcut to trusting in ourselves or believing that something else is good other than God. 
And that's what Jesus is tempted, and that's what Jesus resists, is the temptation to trust in anything other than God. Temptation asks us to settle for something less than what is truly good and what God truly wants for us. So I recently tried to go all of January without eating uh, any desserts or sweets or candy, and I was not successful. I found myself making all kinds of excuses. Like, Pop-Tarts are a breakfast food, right? Um, And here's the thing. Like, temptation, even simple ones, temptation asks us to settle for what seems good instead of what is good. Temptation asks us to settle. Like, junk food asks us to settle for an unhealthy diet. It does. And then lying... Or cheating asks us to settle for less than honest accomplishment. If we're real for a second, we would say, you know, infidelity asks us to settle for less than keeping our covenant promises. Porn asks us to settle for less than cultivating intimacy. It asks us to settle for cheap pleasure. Endless scrolling on our devices asks us to settle for mindless distraction rather than growth and transformation. When we neglect prayer and scripture in our church, it asks us to settle for a powerless faith. Temptation is always asking us to settle for something that seems good, but ultimately is not. And temptation is unavoidable. Because as Russian writer Alexander Solzhenitsyn said, the line between good and evil runs not through states, nor between classes, nor between political parties, but right through every human heart. You can't avoid temptation because it's in us. It's not something that's out there like... We can't avoid sin. We can't avoid temptation because it's inside of us. This is why Jesus goes on to say, not just keep us from temptation, but deliver us from evil. Because temptation is all around us and even in us. In fact, the Greek word for deliver can be rescue. God rescue us from evil. It can be save. God save us from evil. But my personal favorite is the word snatch. God snatch us from evil. It's a powerful word. Just like when you snatch that Stanley mug off the Target shelf. (laughs) Some of you know what I'm talking about. Um, You snatch it because it's valuable because you want it, right? God snatches us from evil because we're valuable to him, because he loves us, because he desires us to be with him. He snatches us from evil. And we need him to snatch us because evil is strong. Temptation is powerful. We find ourselves in the grips of something that we cannot resist regardless of how educated or powerful or wealthy or whatever it is. Like we cannot resist it. We don't have the power or the strength to. We need something or someone outside of us to snatch us from the power of temptation and evil. So if we're honest, we'd rather Jesus teach us to pray something like, God, keep my life easy Calm, protected, and good. Wouldn't it be great if we had no temptations, if we just lived uh, an easy, breezy life that we didn't have to worry about these things? But it will be a life devoid of meaning given to us by our Savior. 
Instead, Jesus offers us something more like this. God, let me know your goodness, peace, and protection as I walk through the spiritual battlefield of this world. It's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when. It's not a matter of will it happen, but what will it look like? We will be tempted. We will be uh, dragged into sin. And God is standing there with us, designed to snatch us from the brokenness, to snatch us from evil. This is what one of the early Christians says in Ephesians chapter 6. If our struggle is not against flesh and blood, meaning it's not against other humans. It's not something that we can do, but against the rulers, against the, authority, the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. We live in the midst of a spiritual battlefield in which God is winning the victory over sin and death. So we will continue to face temptations, but we know a God who has not abandoned us. Like we are surrounded, but we are not alone. We are surrounded, but we know a Savior who is more powerful than any sin or temptation or evil that we will face. We are surrounded, but we have everything we need to experience the power of God's grace in our lives here and now. We may stumble, we may fall, but temptation doesn't get the last word. Because there is forgiveness and there is healing in Christ. And that is the first word of who we are. Because Jesus is teaching us to pray in such a way that we believe that healing is possible in a world where evil still sometimes gets its grip inside of us. That healing is possible. Earlier we talked about the temptation narrative of Jesus. And in, in reflecting on that, Derwin Gray, who wrote, uh, God, Do You Hear Me, was here preaching with us last week. He said, Jesus rewrites the story of Israel from one of disobedience, and I would say our story as well, to one of obedience. Jesus overcomes the temptations of the dark one. By incorporation into his life and story, we are empowered by him to do the same. The gospel truth is that Jesus dies on a cross to defeat our sin and our temptations and our disobedience so that we can live in the power of his victory and not under the power of any temptation, no matter how strong you face. We have a God who's better than that, who's greater than that, who has won the victory. Temptations have no hold on Jesus. And as we're growing in trust in Jesus, they have no hold on us. That's what we stand in. That's the power of the gospel for us. God will meet you wherever you are, whatever you're struggling with, but he will not leave you there. What are you going through? What are you struggling with? What temptations are you facing? Open your hands to the gospel because the gospel moves because God is at work in my life. I have the power to resist temptation within and overcome evil around me. Like you might find yourself sometimes wondering, like what difference can Jesus make in my life? What difference does the gospel make? Because what we know is sin is around us. Temptation is constant in some of our lives. And we know us, like we've lived with us for years. No matter what face we put onto the world, we know how broken we really are. But God, but God in his mercy, but God in his mercy moved towards us. He moved towards you and me, regardless of how much we are tempted. He moves and he loves and he has the power to defeat anything that you are going through. This prayer 
God, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil, is meant to turn us into people who let him, who let God deal with the temptation and sin. Rather than trying to justify it or hide it or pretend it doesn't exist or hold on to it, when we pray this on a regular basis, we're giving God the first word and he's giving us the word that we are set free in Christ, that that temptation has no power over you. We have the power to stand because the gospel is on the move. You are not powerless in the face of temptation. It does not get the last word because God himself tells us the first word. And the first word is he has won the victory in Christ. That's what we proclaim about who we are. So I wanna close with this. It's easy, I said this earlier, but it's easy to imagine that temptation and sin is sort of just this like personal moral thing that either like I'm wrestling with and I'm failing at or I'm, I've, I've checked off the box I'm doing okay with. But in reality, what temptation is, is it's something that pulls you off course for who God desires for you to be. That God is creating and recreating in you uh, the one who grows in love and trust of him and who grows in love of neighbor. And when we are tempted, we are just veering off course from what God is doing in our lives. And the hope is that as we learn to give God the first word in who we are, that we are learning what it means to let temptation, it's gonna be there, but to walk a different path and to believe that God gives us everything we need to see that power defeated. And that's why he teaches us to pray this. But also, I have been so excited about what God has been doing at CPC over the last several months and really the last several years that there has been this incredible energy and joy and passion. Uh, some have used the word revival and I use it tentatively, but I, but I love it. And I love the idea that God might be stirring something in us that doesn't stop here, but goes out and changes the world. I love it. But the truth is we will be tempted off mission. And the more good things are happening, the more we are tempted to chase after things that look good, but ultimately will not lead us to where God wants us to be. And I say all that to say that we have to be a praying church because prayer gives God the first word. If we are not a praying church, we will be tempted off mission because we are not giving God the first word. So I, my hope is, as we've gone through this series, we've learned what it means for us to say, God, let your will be done in our church. Keep us protected, snatch us from evil and keep pulling us towards what you have for our lives and for us as CPC and for our community that we might know the fullness of the power of God to transform our lives. Amen. Amen. On the way in, you were given a little card that has the Lord's Prayer on one side and some blank spaces on the other. And what I would love to do is to give you just a couple of minutes to imagine being a praying person, being a praying church, giving God the first word, and wanted to actually give you some space to rewrite the Lord's Prayer in your own words, and imagine it for today. So you're not, I'm not asking you to like be a theologian and reinterpret the Lord's Prayer. Um, I'm asking you to go kind of phrase by phrase and, and name like, what, what, what words would I use to describe God now, to offer him praise? What words would I describe to use the the power that I desire for God in my life? What, where do I need to learn to depend on him for him to give me daily bread? Who do I need to forgive and, and who do I need to ask forgiveness from? What temptation do I need to name that I need God's help with? So you can 
take some time and do that. I'll give you a couple minutes. You probably won't finish it in the time that I'll give you, but, um, but you can take it home and then would encourage you to pray this over the week ahead. So um, I'll give us some space to write the Lord's Prayer. God, let us give you the first word. Hear our prayers and our cries. Let us turn to you every day believing that as you define our lives, that we will walk through the world in your power and in your mercy and with your love surrounding us. God, let this prayer echo and reverberate in our souls. It would transform who we are, how we see ourselves, how we see you and how we see others. We love you and praise you. In Jesus' name, amen.